0: Tuesday, August the 3rd. Welcome to Mornings with Carmen. I am uh, rooting today, cheering today, celebrating today. Simone Biles, in the spirit of if if at first you don't succeed, try, try again, or get back on the horse, or in this case, the balance beam, if you have not yet heard. She returned uh, to the Olympic stage to compete in the individual competition for the balance beam and uh, and finished in the third position and so is bringing home a bronze medal three words um related to reflecting on watching watching her throughout the course of this past week and the decisions that she has made and the challenges that she has faced and the scrutiny she has been under so my first word is courage sometimes courage does mean you have to walk away even from that for which you have prepared and about which you have been dreaming, sometimes you have to walk away and let someone else take the shot or have the spotlight. And there have certainly been those who have, it's a strange word to use here, but benefited from the challenges that Simone Biles faced. And when she removed herself from the all-around competition, there were others who then had an opportunity to take their shot, and they have done well, and we want to celebrate them. The second word is resilience. When you fall down, get up again. So that's the, I would say that in terms of the conversations that we have here, encouraging disciples of Jesus Christ in our resilience, because we do live in a world that knocks us down, pulls the rug out from under us, tries to trip us up. And we have to develop almost the discipline of resilience. And so I lift up that word. So courage, resilience, my third word is joy. Now, certainly her joy uh, has been tempered by relief. You can see in The footage of Simone Biles after her beam routine, you can see the joy and you can see that it is tempered with relief. There are lots of long, deep breaths and a radiant smile. And so, if you're looking for words today, courage, resilience, and joy tempered with relief might be good ones. What's the word that is hanging with you this morning, the word that got you out of bed, the word in which you will walk today, where in the word? Are you today? First up this morning, I'm going to talk with Nick Pitts. Uh, We're going to talk about a range of headlines. And um, at some point, I'm going to talk about a piece of cake. That's all this morning on Mornings with Carmen. Pitts joins me now. He's a fellow at the Institute for Global Engagement. You can follow him on Twitter at JNickPitts. Nick, welcome back.
2: Why, hello. Good morning, Carmen.
0: So great to be with you. It's so great to have you with us today. Uh, all right. So I want to start with some research that you and I have both read. Uh, here is the headline. Rising shares of U.S. adults know someone who is cha- who is transgender or goes by gender-neutral pronouns. So what did this research discover?
2: Yeah, so we're starting to see, um, as you would expect, just an uptick of individuals that know someone that's identifying as transgender or who's uh, kind of um, kind of changing some of their pronouns. And so the research found out a pew that about 42% of Americans said they personally know someone who's transgender, which is up five percentage points from 2017. A quarter say they know someone who prefers that uh, that others use gender neutral pronouns such as they instead of he or she when referring to them. And that's up from 18 percent. And so that's a pretty sizable uptick as considered just on um, percentages. About half of Americans said they feel somewhat comfortable using gender neutral pronoun to fer- refer to someone. They were asked to do so, while 48 percent said they would feel very or somewhat uncomfortable doing so. Those numbers aren't real. Those numbers aren't changed. But as you would expect, there are individuals that, one, uh, they're increasingly knowing more individuals that are transgender. And then two, um, what we know that usually follows when you know someone, um, when you can put a face to a face to the thing that you're talking about, it does typically tend to change your perspective on it.
0: Yeah, I was noting that um and this does not surprise me, but older people in the culture, like they're making fewer new friends, they're knowing fewer new people, and so uh and and my guess is the people who they are knowing are more in their age group than they are in younger generations. So for that group, there's not it's not like there's a huge percentage increase. I mean, you know, it's a couple of percentage points in terms yeah. of um knowing now knowing someone identifies as transgender, where in 2017, you know, maybe they didn't, but it's, it's around the 30% mark. But when you look at younger adults, 18 to 29, that, you know, that's nine percentage points in terms of the increase of people saying, yep, I personally know someone who identifies as transgender or prefers gender neutral pronouns or prefers to use the opposite pronoun, whatever. This is kind of a category of things going on here. So in terms of younger adults, I mean, we've got now more than 50% of younger adults who who say, yep, I, I know someone who, um, uh, who is transgender or identifies as transgender. Uh, you know, here's what I want to talk about a little bit, Nick, because you're in that age cohort and I'm not. Oh, well, no, you're over 29. But you're definitely in the age cor- cohort where this is an increasing percentage faster than it is in even in the age cohort that I find myself in, which is under the 65 group, but just in the one under that. So um, I, I say this. Because you've identified, the, the I think, the, the critical part of the conversation. We've grown comfortable with this, which means it's being normalized. Here's my mm-hmm. challenge. It's delusional. So mm-hmm. we've become comfortable with that, with that, which is delusional. And that feels to me like a really dangerous place to be in terms of, of the culture. We've arrived at the point where we have grown not just accepting of, but comfortable with normalizing of a self-perception that is misaligned with reality.
2: Yeah, I'll tell you, Carmen. So, um, just for our, our listeners' sake, just know that there's a it's a small uptick, but there's not been a relatively size uh, significantly a significant size uptick of the transgender population here in the U.S. Best estimates out of the Williams Institute indicates it's around 800,000 to 1.3 million. But I'll, I'll tell you a little anecdote, though. So I was leading a little group. Uh, we gather for dinner on Sundays. It's um, it's just we, we've selected this group to kind of talk about cultural issues from a biblical perspective, and um, they're from all across the country and represent all different uh, industries here in the Dallas area. Um, and when we talked about transgender, I ended up writing usually write a white paper for the group and then to lead our discussion to kind of help substantiate our discussion with some research, et cetera. And I was shocked by the um, I, I guess by the I I was shocked by the tenor and the tone of the conversation we were having during our time together that night because there had been so many individuals that had come from the Northeast specifically where they went to school or were out on the West Coast um, uh, that had uh, encountered, befriended, knew of transgender people and their groups. And in turn, how that had shifted the conversation because it ceased to simply be just a headline that they saw um, and that they read and had become a person. Um, and again, we we saw this in the beginnings too, in the 90s and then 2000s uh, with uh, the uh, Homes LGBT uh, or just the L and the G uh, movement. When you began to know someone that was identifying, that was uh, active in that community, it tended to change your perspective of individuals in that community and like you said had normalized it. Well this is we're we're starting to see this and you know it's just fascinating because who who would have thought 10 years ago that the um the transgender piece of lgbtq would begin to uh, really start to see sizable shift in their numbers like they are right now.
0: We have a uh, uh a friend um, online who says, um, older generations, question mark. Well, I would expect that number to be changing. I have a grandchild who has now fallen for this lie, my granddaughter. This is very painful. Um, Mm -hmm. So, Nick, you know, I mean, every time you and I have these kinds of conversations, we recognize real people listening right now, uh, real people in this conversation right now are uh, dealing with this challenge in their own families, certainly in our friend groups, some of us at our churches. um, And this is real. And so we want to, you know, I just want to say to everybody, we recognize how deeply painful and challenging this conversation is. um, But I just, I have to come right out and say, and, and I have done so with people who identify as transgender in my own life. So this is not something that I'm recommending to others and fail to do myself. This is actually my practice. I am not willing to give up my sure footing in reality in order to accommodate um, someone else's personal perception of reality. And so it's challenging. It's hard. It means you have to have difficult, respectful conversations with other people. um, And you have to know them well enough to do that. I get that. We're talking about real personal relationships. But I want... um, you know, I want Christians to know you don't have to give up the firm footing in reality in order to accommodate this particular cultural moment. It's hard, completely, but you can do it.
2: Completely agree, and, and Carmen, your and your listeners know this probably already. It's a dangerous lifestyle. I mean, it mm-hmm. is by all intents. It's and not life giving. Like all, yeah, you. There, there's a greater likelihood for cutting. There's a greater, there's a significantly a higher likelihood for suicide. There's a greater likelihood for depression. I mean, all the numbers indicate when you're going against the cre- going against the creative order, in, in such a way that you're denying something basic about yourself relative to your gender. That's a, it's a dangerous lifestyle to live. So as friends, we want to be individuals that speak the truth and love. And we also want to be individuals that draw close to those that are struggling right now, because at the end of the day, this isn't new. They just had a what well, we get a first century Gnostic understanding of their body, but they think their body is a prison and they're trying to escape from their prison by identifying as a different gender. It's a very dangerous from a social science perspective, dangerous way of living. And as Christians, we want to be very close to those individuals that are, like all of us, like sheep that have gone astray and pointing to a shepherd that is wanting to lead individuals by still waters.
0: Mm -hmm. All right, Nick Pitts and I are going to continue our conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. a lot of mutual heartbreak being uh shared this morning on my text line. Remember you can you can communicate with us during the show at 877-933-2484. You can text me right there. Uh yes, I am echoing those of you who are texting in right now in terms of your your heartbreak and um your concern for families and friends dealing with all of this. So, thank you um thank you for uh all of your input this morning. Um, let's talk about the eviction moratorium, Nick. Uh, the eviction moratorium has expired. Uh, lots of things that we could be talking about here. Why don't you? Why don't you surface one that interests you?
2: Yeah. So um, uh, on. Saturday, the eviction moratorium that was put in place at the beginning of the pandemic when, again, government um, regulations, uh, government entities began to limit and ban um, landlords from uh, uh, evicting individuals due to the pandemic that lost their jobs, et cetera, um, has gone under, um, has ceased. And the Biden administration said that they would not um, continue this moratorium um, due to the Supreme Court, some conversations with uh, Justice Kavanaugh. And individuals on uh, in Congress disagreed and believed that President Biden should continue that um, to the extent that even today, I believe they're in the third or fourth day of protesting um, individuals, such as um, Representative uh Ocasio-Cortez, as well as uh, Representative Cory Bush out of Missouri as well, are protesting on the, on the steps of Congress right now and sleeping out on those steps, sitting up, no less, because um, uh, you're not allowed to sleep on the ground and it's against the law. And so they're protesting right now. They've been joined by the likes of Jesse Jackson and others. And so what research is finding is the types of individuals and the demographics that are more likely to be evicted, one, as well as two, um, individuals that are more likely to be renting during this time as well, in which over the past year, more than 10 million people lost their jobs and are in need of uh, some assistance.
0: I think that, uh, you know, this this conversation, Nick, is... Uh, going to be really complex in the culture. Um, you know, just so many competing challenges in terms of, um, you know, nobody wants to see anybody on the street, but yeah. certainly if people haven't been paying their rent for more than a year, the the landowner, the person paying the mortgage on that particular uh, place that's being rented, I mean, that person was counting on that income for their own livelihood. Oh, yeah most most places that are being rented across the country are owned by people who rely on that rental income for their own um livelihood and and their ability then to turn around and pay their bills so um i my you know I think the challenges here are many i think you know part of my frustration would be you know people who are getting a lot of media attention you know who are saying you know i'm going to be thrown out on the street you know i i i you know, this is totally unexpected. And I'm thinking to myself, OK, th- this is not totally unexpected. This has been coming for a really long time. And at some point, um, you know, we have to we have to return to whatever the new normal is going to be. But part of that is going to have to be that people who own property and, um, you know, and are land owners have to get paid or the whole oh, it, it's a huge part of the economy to allow to just oh, collapse. And so, you know, it's just, it's so challenging. It's such a challenging conversation.
2: This would be a conversation, this would be, obviously we wanted to be very sensitive to this, especially in the beginning of the pandemic where you quite literally had government regulations that were shutting down businesses and in turn people were losing their jobs. More than 10 million people lost their jobs. And so I think that there was merit, there was prudence uh, to enacting some of these moratoriums, knowing that um, landlords and individuals that own the building could, we can figure out ways to begin to support them, one, through government funds, and then two, to be able to figure out ways to kind of make our way through this. But now, I mean, I mean we're more than a year and a half into this thing, We and surprisingly, the research is showing that individuals – there's been more people that have been lifted out of poverty – uh, because of uh, one of the primary reasons is government funding coming from this. And so now it's time to to really begin to think through how do we start making our way back to normal? One, because there's the availability of the back, vaccine that's available. Two, there's still uh, uh, roughly around 7 million people that are without jobs right now. And but there's also more jobs that are available right now than people that are able to fill them. So there's plenty of jobs that are available now as we're beginning to reemerge. And then three, knowing that uh, the majority of people have more money uh, from a savings standpoint before the pandemic than they did after the pandemic as well. Um, Individuals, just the infusion of money and the limiting of actually spending the money due to the pandemic because just don't need certain services. One of the fascinating pieces of research came out of the Urban Institute and it found the number of poor Americans expected in uh, 2021 to fall by nearly 20 million from 2018 levels. It's a decline of almost 45%. The poverty rate is expected to be at 7.7%, which is well below the 13.9%, which is estimated in 2018. Yes, there needed to be a, a A ban on evicting individuals when we didn't have the vaccine, when government relations, governments were shutting down businesses because of the spread of the pandemic, spread of the virus. But now we're in a very different scenario. And for the benefit of the society as a whole, we need to begin to think through um, these types of government bans to keeping people from being evicted and start relying on some of these charitable organizations that were doing that work to help individuals to get back on their feet. This doesn't need to be a government thing. It's more, much more of a local civic organization thing now.
0: All right. So if you're thinking to yourself, how could I help? Well, part of this is knowing other people well enough to know the challenges that they're really facing um, and the root causes of those challenges. And then as the family of faith, as the people of faith, you know, there's going to have to be some looking around at the empty rooms in our own homes. Um, If there are people in our own faith communities, in our churches, who are going to need transitional housing, like, you know, let's, let's step up to that. Maybe rent assistance needs to be a conversation that we have in our churches, but it needs to be tied to some kind of financial planning and actually helping people get back on their financial feet. So there's lots of things that we can do. Let's not wring our hands and act like, you know, we're just going to wait for the government to solve the problem. You know, let's get in there and figure it out in our own local communities. Nick Pitts, thank you as always so much for joining us today. You guys can find Nick at the Institute for Global Engagement. You can also find him on Twitter at J Nick Pitts, We love talking with you, man.
2: So great to be with you, Carmen. Have a great day.
0: You too. We'll be right back. Okay, I totally love you guys. There's lots of recommendations for camping. Have you been camping lately? I have. You have to camp in a designated camping site. In lots of places, you have to make a reservation in advance, and if all of the reservations are taken, you can't camp there. You've got to register when you arrive. You have to arrive between certain hours. You have to leave uh, at at a certain time. Um, The days of just, like, pitching a tent in the woods, yeah, pretty much gone, except on private land, which totally gets us back to the conversation about who owns the land and who's allowed to, well, sleep there, pitch a tent. Mm -hmm. All right, so... I'm sure there are places in your community where people are allowed to pitch a tent. But then just think about how you feel about that and how that affects your community. So there's just lots of conversations we need to be having. And that's not a great place for a kid to grow up. Like, how do you register for school from, you know, a tent? This this is a good conversation. Okay, uh, next up, we've got Luke Moon from the Philos Project and Providence magazine. We are going to talk about developments in Iran and Afghanistan. We're going to take a look at the Middle East. Luke is presently uh, in... Um, in Israel so we're gonna also ask him what's going on there that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen
1: when kids face the uncertainty of a world that's constantly in flux they'll have one of two responses take control or give up hi I'm Mark Gregston with parenting today's teens if the things that mom and dad taught don't seem to fit in the surrounding culture teens will often be confused and lost At this crossroad of decision, they'll take one of two roads. First, a teen will take control. They try to control their destiny. The second path is to throw it all to the wind. They'll abandon mom and dad's values and adopt a skeptic mindset. This teen says, whatever I do doesn't matter anyway. What path is your teen taking right now? Be sure you're there to guide them in this powerful season of uncertainty.
2: Looking to make positive changes in your family? Check out the helpful resources from Mark Gregston online at parentingtodaysteens.org.
1: The wise men will bow down before the throne. And at his feet, they'll cast their golden crown.
0: All right, joining me now, Luke Moon from the Philo's Project. He is coming to us today from Israel. Luke, what are you doing there, man?
1: Oh, well, Carmen, it's our uh, our Philo's Leadership Institute uh, summer program. It's a two-week-long program for young professionals who are interested in, in uh, you know, positive in Christian engagement in the Near East. And so, spend a couple couple weeks here kind of exploring various issues in the land and, that kind of stuff. So, I'm, people, uh, are walking,
0: uh, via, via people are jealous. People are jealous right so, now. I'm literally, I'm.
1: I'm uh, I just passed station number two. It's coming up on station number three. So, tell people what? Tell yeah, people where that yeah. is?
0: Like, so you're in the old city. Yeah. You're in the. i You're old, in the old
1: city. Yes. I'm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in the old city. Actually, it's 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 in the on um, the the northwest. Quadrant of the city, and uh, I'm walking down to a really interesting site here on the corner. It's in front of what's called the Austrian Hostel, which is is an Austrian hostel, (laughs) and and, uh, it's it's a really interesting place because, you know, I think a lot of people perceive that oh my gosh, there's just so much violence around and whatever. But on a Friday morning, uh, the Muslims will be streaming down this one street. Uh, to go to pray on the on the Temple Mount, and then on Friday evening, Jews will be walking down that same street uh, to pray at the Western Wall to welcome in Shabbat. And for about a hundred feet, the Via Dolorosa is on that same street. And if you read the media, if you listen to the perception of Jerusalem, even in you know in the violence and whatever, you would think that like there's just blood splattered everywhere. In reality, there's not reality is that there's there's a it's, it's actually a very peaceful street but it doesn't happen by accident and one of the things i think that people overlook is and the reason why that there is there's that level of pluralism taking place is because there are police with guns right like the thing is i think that there's a false perception that that plural happens through like on accident by 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 you know the altruism of people, In reality, it's, it's pluralism has to be preserved and fought for. Uh, so, there's about to be a tractor drive by me, this narrow street. Sorry. That's good.
0: That's good. All right. So, uh, for those of you listening right now, if you've never been to Jerusalem, not familiar with the Via Della Rosa, it's the way of the cross. It's the way of sorrows. It is the route that we understand Jesus walked. It is marked along the way um, with 14 stations, and stations one and two, um, Luke and his team have already been passed. Um, Station three is a pretty pretty busy spot in the road. As I recall, there are shops nearby. There's a lot going on, um, and they will then proceed from there. Uh, Friday evening— um, my guess is you guys are going to do what we did when when I was with you on a Philo's trip um, to Israel. My guess is you are—tell people what you're going to do this evening, because let me just tell you, it's a highlight. It's a highlight of being in Jerusalem on Shabbat.
1: Yeah, well, it, it's, it's a really, really great opportunity. It's, uh, it's called Shabbat of a Lifetime, and it's an opportunity to have Shabbat.
0: All right. Well, we can't hear him. Oh, there you go. You got to say that one more. You gotta, you gotta go back and say it again because we lost you there for a second.
1: All right. So yeah, the uh, the Shabbat of a lifetime is an opportunity to have dinner with an Orthodox Jewish family, and in in welcoming in Shabbat, they like candles. You sing a song welcoming in the. They they sing Proverbs thirty one over the women of the household. Uh, they break bread. They 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 drink a, a, a sip of wine, uh, and and they say prayers. And it's all a, and, and then at the end of that, they lay their hands and bless their children. And I tell you what, it's in that moment, man. It's it's hard to to not weep because you know I think a lot of people who are kind of unaware of the region, I think perceive, you know, the Jews that are living here now are somehow, you know, they're they're not like the Israelites of old, but when you are in that process, watching them lay their hands on their kids and pray the prayer that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob prayed over their kids, you're like, okay, this is, there's something going on here. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty special and it's an amazing experience.
0: So uh, COVID-19 continues to, um, you know, wreak havoc around the globe. Um, Israel has done a really good job vaccinating its population. So I think there's probably people wondering right now, gosh, you're traveling internationally. Um, What is your experience like in terms of traveling during COVID at this particular point in time?
1: Right. So you you really have to, uh, you have to Suffered through multiple, actually lots of tests. Uh, In the hour, uh, both leading up to and upon arrival, I basically did four different tests. So I had a a PCR test. Two PCR tests upon arrival. Uh, Then Mm -hmm. they took a blood test to make sure that, you know, nobody was lying about their vaccination status. And uh, (laughs) and then... um, and and then they release you once you once you your your test clear from uh the blood test, then you're released from, from basically from quarantine or isolation in your hotel room. So it's not it's not terrible because you know, you you know, it's a it's an eleven hour or ten hour flight and you're a little tired anyways and you know, it's not a it's not a big deal to to, you know, isolate in your hotel room after flying so long and you know i don't sleep well sitting up uh i don't know many people who do but uh, there are great gifted people out there who can uh I, but you know upon arrival it's you know the crazy thing is i've never i've never seen jerusalem so empty i mean it was you know before covid i mean it took a long time to walk down the streets it's it's like uh you know if you were in the filmmaking business and you wanted to. To, to use Jerusalem as a backdrop for your movie, now is the time to do it because there's nobody in the streets. It's, it's it's a little it's a little crazy actually.
0: All right, I know you've been there a lot of times, but take lots of pictures because that sounds um, you cool. know really cool. Okay, we're going to take a very brief break. We are talking with Luke Moon. I promise when we come back, we're going to talk about Iran and Afghanistan. Uh, but it's been a joy to catch up with him about what is happening on the ground today in Jerusalem. We'll be right back. <laughs> Rise. We will rise together. Together. Continuing my conversation with Luke Moon from the Philos Project. You can also find him at Providence Magazine. All right, Luke, um, Iran. I mean, you know, it, 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 it. We could talk about this every day. Um, there's conversations <laughs> about protest repression. There's conversations about you know uh, revitalizing the nuclear deal there's been a tanker attack um clearly iran is responsible for it we seem hard pressed to come up with a way to to deal with them um and they have uh, uh, an incoming president who um it definitely does not seem like a friend
1: yeah all of that i mean that's that's the challenge of iran i think the problem is that that the the current administration seems so uh desiring to get back into this this uh, nuclear deal that he'll do he'll do anything to do it, including not uh calling Iran to account for for the, the continued atrocities, whether it's Protest suppression, whether it's the attack on the tanker, whether it's you know, there's there's a long list. I mean, stuff that they've done even to to our own soldiers over the years, and and it, it's turning a blind eye to all of that in hopes of getting a deal. When the problem of the deal is that there's no like, we, we shouldn't fool ourselves that that Iran will abide by it any more than you know North Korea abided to you know, the various things that we agreed with them on, right? And and the, and additionally, the problem is if we release uh, the sanctions on Iran, uh, all the billions of dollars that flow back to Iran will wait, make their way back to the Houthis in Yemen, Hamas, Hezbollah, uh, and, and the uh, Shia militias that are in northern Iraq and, and around the region. And they are— there's no doubt that Iran is a destabilizing factor in the region. I think one of the things I've stated over and over is the fact that that, you know, you gotta see this at the top level as a civil war between Shia and Sunni Islam. Uh, but, you know, it, in in part of when you're when you're the minority fighting the the you know, the majority. The majority of, of the Middle East is is Sunni and when you're Shia or a minority you're fighting that you're going to use all your angles, right? So you're going to use militias and terrorist organizations and destabilizing factors like Lebanon and Syria and, and even I, parts of Iraq and Yemen, right? And and it, it's really, uh, I, I think, a failure of of, of leadership, but also of, of, of being realistic about who you're talking to uh, when you're trying to negotiate a deal. Mm-hmm.
0: Let's, um, let's take a couple of minutes to talk about what's going on in Afghanistan. I know I don't expect you to be fully up to speed on, um, on the news this morning, but uh, the Taliban is continuing um, to press its way forward. Fighting, uh, intense fighting has broken out uh, in the capital city of the um, Homond province. Uh, civilians have been killed. The U.S. has been um, uh, engaged in airstrikes. Um, and the Taliban has taken over uh, a television station um, even as the U.S. continues to, you know, pound the ground. Um, We're withdrawing, but as we withdraw, that vacuum is being filled in a really dangerous and negative way by the Taliban. Um, What are you hearing from folks in the region and sort of what's your assessment of things on the ground? Well,
1: I mean, it's, I mean, there's, there. It's twofold. One is, I think you get, in a, like the United States is is in no, and by United States, I mean the, the the average man on the street. I mean, but I think both Republicans and Democrats, in a large part, are basically kind of done with trying this whole uh, regime change plan, right? We're gonna bring. I mean, it was a. I mean, it goes all the way back to to uh, George Bush, and and the, the kind of the expectation that. You know the problem of the Arab street is they have no self determination, and if you if you build up democracy, it will it will kind of rise to the top, and and people will become you know good uh, liberals in the in the classical big L definition, right? And and instead, w- what you have is is what has happened in in both Iraq and and Afghanistan is 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 basically the U.S. figuring out this this like it doesn't work. Uh, trying to figure out a way to you know remove ourselves from those projects and filling the vacuum is the people who were there before right and and I mean it also doesn't do us any favors that you know uh, uh, on embassies around the world over the last month the month of well the month of June not the last month month of June, you know the embassies were de- 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 you know displaying uh, the 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 pride flag and 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 like that kind of soft power American projection doesn't do us any favors with with like conservative uh, Afghani's who look at the Taliban as people who are more ideologically aligned with with the with the culture uh, and you know you, you and, and you know if you parents and you want to raise your kids in in you know the ways of Islam Taliban's your your, your jam right so. It's unfortunate that you know that this is the way things are going, and but I unfortunately I think it's uh, I I don't see how it doesn't actually revert back to um, kind of Taliban supremacy in 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 all of Afghanistan. The question will be: Does does it become yet again? You know the the staging ground for groups like Al Qaeda and other terrorist organizations uh, around, around the world. And I'm not sure it goes back to that, but I, I think, you know, uh, it, it's not unlikely that it will revert to the things like no music allowed at weddings, girls can't go to school, um, a, a, a strong reinstigation of, you know, things like the burqa, um, and other kind of cultural things, uh, you know, and, Sadly to say, like I think we're we're the we're the you know just another empire in a long list of empires who have have smashed themselves against uh, the mountains of Afghanistan and and walked away bruised and bloody. Yeah.
0: All right, Luke. Um, I'm also, I'm maybe next time the, we'll talk like about the, so uh, much
1: joy and happy stuff. But we got
0: to. No, no, no. You're,
1: I feel like so, I'm always the like the downer. I mean, hopefully you oh. have somebody after me who's like a comedian.
0: <laughs> well, well, yeah. So yeah, we we have all we, the, the people, ebb and flow of the show is fun. Like, I'm a really
1: nice guy. I don't walk He's around. He's a really and, nice uh, guy. Always, you know,
0: <laughs> Luke <laughs> is a really nice guy who is totally full of joy and uh, and a delight to be with. Um, I just tee up conversations that are sometimes very difficult to have. So the next time um, you're on, maybe we'll talk about uh, China's expanding footprint, uh, not only in Afghanistan, uh, but throughout Africa. I'm going to direct folks to the resources posted right now at ProvidenceMag.com. Great content there on China and Africa. Great content there on religious freedom uh, concerns arising in India. And if we had a lot more time, I would talk about tomorrow being the anniversary of the explosion in Beirut, because, you know, that that's a conversation that we could return to as well. But we're completely out of time, Luke, so we got to leave it right there.
1: Oh, man, so much, so much. Well, not good stuff, but so much stuff to talk about. All right. Well, but
0: be be blessed. Be blessed while you're in Jerusalem. I'm in I'm
1: in I'm in the Holy City. It's The only way there's no other way to be.
0: Amen. Amen. Sunrise to sunset, man. All right. Blessings. Uh, That's Luke Moon. You can find him at the Philos Project. You can also find him at Providence Mag. We'll be right back. All right. This morning, uh, the song on my heart and in my prayers was this one from Jeremy Camp. "In In the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus you can have all this world, just give me Jesus. God has got the whole world in his hands today. God sees you. God knows right where you are. He knows what lies ahead in this day. He knows every challenge you're going to face. He knows every conversation uh, you're going to have. And he has you in the midst of it. You are his beloved child, redeemed in Christ, filled with and empowered by His Holy Spirit, and in that, you can walk into this day expecting the unexpected, anticipating miracles, confident that because you are with God, God is with you always, even to the ends of the earth, even to the end of time, to hell and back if necessary. Uh, God's got you, so give Him this day. Give Him this day by asking him to give you Jesus in this day. You can have all the rest. Just give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus. When I'm alone, just give me Jesus. When I come to die, just give me Jesus. And yes, in the morning when I rise, just give me Jesus. we got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio.